Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I pray you are empowered to walk in the fullness of your God design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. Last night we talked about strongholds and I gave you demonstrations of how to take a word, how to demonstrate that word, how to declare that word. And if I become adept at doing that on my own, now I can pray over people, but I'm not making up stuff to pray over them. We got to stop praying over through our soul realm. People are like, why does everybody fall out? And I'm like, I don't know. Because they're coming into an alignment with the word. They're going past my voice. They're going past my opinion. They're going past how I feel like I want them to feel. And they're going into what is true. I'm starting to shake the heavens inside of them through the word of God. See, there's a kingdom presence inside of each one of us. And when we begin to speak the word, the authority of that word begins to rattle the the devils in their life, begins to rattle the darkness in their life, begins to illuminate and pierce light where darkness has been. Girl, who cares about your hair? Come on, put... Put your hand on my head. Mess my hair up a little. Unravel me, Lord, so that I can be redone in the likeness of your son. We got to get over it. Be willing to be humbled so that you can receive. We are our own worst enemy when it comes to receiving the fullness of what God wants to give to us. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this word. We thank you, Lord, that you've started your way out in front of me, God. And so, Father, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you for your love. God, we ask that you would just... Cause this word to be a rhema word. God, I'm speaking like just natural words. But it's by your spirit that those words get wrapped up by a supernatural presence and they penetrate hearts. God, so that people don't hear with their minds, but they hear with their spirits. I can't do that, God, but you can do that. And so we're expecting you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This session, we're going to be talking more about how we are designed for purpose. Now, your purpose is your why in life. It is your quest. So in case you don't know what your purpose is, what a purpose is, it's what gets me out of bed. I like to say it's what ticks you off, makes you tick and ticks you off. It's the thing that excites you, but it's also the place where you get really fired up, right? I get super fired up when I see somebody living less than they could be or should be. And they won't do the thing that needs to be done to get to the next level. That, that makes me mad. Like, I get mad for them, I get mad at the demons in them, I get mad at their frustration, it ticks me off, but it makes me tick when I see somebody say, I'm going to walk away from that and I'm going to step into the next thing, I'm going to step into the next level. That's what makes me tick. The same thing that makes me tick is what ticks me off, it's my why in life, it's my quest, it's the journey, it's the journey that I'm on, it's why I get out of bed, it's what I think about when I'm going to bed at night, and it's what I think about when I'm getting up in the morning, is God, I want to serve people, I want to see them get to the next level, I see that thing in that person, we were talking in the Q&A about uh, delegating, and I said, I don't see delegating as giving something up, I see delegating as making room for somebody else to step in. So your, your purpose is your why, it's your quest, it's what you're after, it's the deep stirring within you. And here's what you need to know, everybody has a purpose. You have a purpose. In fact, you had a purpose before you existed. See, God had a purpose that he would send a person, that he would send a son, that he would send a, a spirit that would be crucified, would take on the sin of the world that we might be saved. And he was like, I have a purpose to rescue my people, to redeem them, to reconcile them, bring them back into unity with me. And I need to wrap that purpose up in flesh 
give it a name, Jesus, and send it to fulfill its purpose. See, the purpose was there, and then the skin and the flesh was wrapped around the purpose. When God created Adam and Eve in the garden, the first thing he did was said, Adam, let me put you in the garden and let me give you a work to do. Now, I'm pretty sure God didn't need Adam to till his garden for him. In fact, I'm pretty sure Adam probably messed it up. He probably didn't do nearly as good as God would do. But yet God said, I don't really need Adam to till my garden, but I know that Adam needs a purpose. Adam needs a work. Adam needs to feel a sense of, of, of destiny here on earth. That Adam is going to be the place where heavenly possibilities collide here on earth. You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying that you and I are the intersection of where heaven and earth collide. You are the portal of the heavenlies. You are the portal of miracles. You are the portal of signs. When Jesus said to the disciples, here are two fish and five loaves, go feed the multitude. It wasn't Jesus that, multi that multiplied. The multiplication came through the action of the disciples. They were the intersection, not Jesus. They were the intersection. He could have done that, but he gave a work for the disciples to do. Speaking the message, you have purpose and you are needed. You have value and you are worthy. Come on. And what we're hearing is totally the opposite. We're waking up not knowing our sense of purpose, not feeling valuable, not feeling worthy, not feeling good about it, not feeling accredited for the kingdom. And God said, girl, you're not accredited, but praise God because of me, you are. That's it. So he knew that Adam needed a work. See, it wasn't about producing fruit around him. The work was about producing fruit within him. I'm going to say that again because when we start looking for our purpose, we're watching for evidence of our purpose by looking for fruit around us. Come on, I, I talked about this last night when I was super vulnerable with you guys and talked about how I need to just get back here. I don't see fruit over here, so that's frustrating me and it's keeping me from doing this. I want to do this where I feel the fruit within me and I don't care if there's fruit outside of me. That's God's to deal with. Look, when God showed up at the tomb, he said, you roll away the stone. You do what I tell you to do and then trust me to do what you can't do. You roll away the stone and I'll resurrect Lazarus. But what we do is we go, okay, God called me to roll away the stone. So we roll away the stone and then we try and resurrect things that God is saying, I didn't tell you to do that. I only told you to roll away the stone. Yeah. And so he knows we need a purpose. But here's the deal. The enemy doesn't want you to work. He doesn't want you to work because he doesn't want you to feel a sense of purpose. Hence, the trap that we get caught up in poverty. If, if I can keep them from not working, if I can keep them from feeling not purpose, if I can keep them from a work. Remember, what does the Bible say? You can have faith, but faith without a work is... God, I'm so glad you guys know your Bible. Ooh. Who can tell me what the passage is? Come on. Somebody's got to have it, right? James chapter 2. Good job. All right, so everybody write that down. James chapter 2. Now, when you go somewhere and you hear something, you're like, oh, that was a good word. You should write it down and you should go check it out for yourself because I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will take it to a next level. Don't let me teach you. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. The Bible says in Jeremiah 1.4, before I formed you, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
That word formed means to fashion, to frame, to predetermine and preordain. Now we know in Psalm 139, it says, all the days ordained for you are written in a book. God already has it mapped out. He's already got it ready. He's already got it planned for you. He's got a purpose for you. The master potter has fashioned you with a, past, a purpose in mind. Listen to me. If I have a potter, I'm not a potter, and I'm not artistic in any form or fashion. I would like to be in Jesus' name. But when a potter has a lump of clay, he does not start molding that clay until he knows what the purpose of the, the thing is. So he's like, oh, the purpose of this is to hold cereal. So I'm going to fashion a bowl. Oh, the purpose of this is to hold a cup of water. So I'm going to fashion, I'm going to form a cup. So he has the purpose for the thing in mind before he fashions it. And that's what that's talking about in there. He's saying, I have a purpose in mind, and then I fashioned you around that purpose. I fashioned your personality. I fashioned your likeness. I fashioned your tendencies. Now, we're not talking about your natural, your earthly, your carnal tendencies. We're talking about your tendencies to be like God. Who can quote the verse from last night? As he was, so, so am I. So are we. As he was, so are we. In his likeness, he has fashioned you specifically for your purpose. Now, here's what I want you to know. Your purpose is of the heart. Okay, so when I say the word purpose, I want you to think heart. Because I'm going to be teaching you about purpose, vision, or purpose, dreams, imaginations, and visions today. So when I think of, when I say purpose, I want you to think heart. My purpose is found in my heart. Now, I know it's very difficult for us to think about because we hear about the heart and we, we always quote the first part of that verse as like, the heart is deceitfully wicked, who can know it? And I'm like, can you please not quote that out of context? Because it's so not right when we quote it that way. God says he's taken out of you a stony heart and he's given you a fleshy heart. And you will find hints of who you're called to be in your heart. But what has religion done? He's told us our heart is wicked. That is a wicked, wicked theology. Because it's cutting you off from your purpose. It's cutting you off from what's in you, your passions, what makes you tick, what ticks you off. So when I say purpose, I want you to think heart. When I say vision, I want you to think your eye. Okay? So we're thinking heart or eye. So we're going to answer a lot of questions. So vision answers what does it look like while your, hope, your purpose answers what is in my heart. One is your hope. The other is your faith. Purpose, heart, what's in my heart? Vision, what's in my eye? My hope, my faith. My hope, my faith. Okay, so I'm going to be teaching you guys. Now let's intertwine dreams in there. So dreams. Now I know that many people in this room have dreams that reveal things to them in the nighttime, and those are relevant. They're very, very relevant, but I don't want us to just limit ourselves to thinking about dreaming while we're sleeping. I want us to think about the moments when we're dreaming while we're awake, when God gives us a dream. And I don't know, I feel like, you know, there are times when, I say I feel like, I feel like there are people in here who will, who will connect with the fact that there are times when you're kind of in that sleepy state, and you think you're asleep, but you're not, and then you wake up, but you have, like Paul, who was in a trance-like state, and God downloaded the entire book of Revelation, right? He was in a trance-like state. So I want us to think about those moments. More specifically, I want to talk about the purpose of dreaming while you're awake. So let's be honest. Dreams are easily dismissed. But the truth is, dreams give us hints of what's in our heart. 
Remember Cinderella? She said, a dream is your wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep. Right? A dream is a wish your heart makes. See, your dream reveals your heart. They are the substance of what's in your heart. The Bible says this, as water reflects, or water face, as in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reflects the man. Okay, so we need to pay attention to the dreams that are in our, is in our hearts because God is showing you something. The definition of a dream is this, a series of thoughts, images, and sensations occurring in a person's mind during sleep. Now listen, it says this, a cherished aspiration, ambition, or ideal. Okay, so we need to pay attention. So a lot of times people are like, how do my dreams come into play? Well, you know, I've had this, oh, he has dreams. I have a couple right now that I'm working with, and she's like, oh, he had the weird, has the weirdest dreams all the time. They just make no sense. And I'm like, tell me what these dreams are. And so he begins to tell me all these, these crazy dreams about being a YouTuber and this and that and all this other thing. I'm like, do you write these dreams down? And so I'm like saying, not saying that his purpose or his plan is going to look exactly like those dreams. What I am saying is there's hints because this man struggles with finding his purpose. He's not sure what he wants to do. He doesn't know what his path is. He doesn't. So I'm going to start with, tell me your dreams. Tell me the things you dream about because I'm going to see hints in there. Now, the phrase to dream in the Hebrew, listen to this, this is very interesting. So I just gave you the urban dictionary definition, but I'm interested in how does God define a dream? In the Hebrew, it says this, to be healthy. What? To dream means to be healthy. So this is telling me something about the importance of dreaming. To be healthy, to be strong, and to restore life and restore health. I would like to propose to you that when you lose a dream, you feel that in your body. You feel that in your body. You feel that loss. And a lot of us don't feel an unction in life because we don't have a dream. We don't receive the dreams. We're not paying attention to our dreams. We're not tapping, and so we're not tapping into our dreams. This is what we call being hopeless. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire comes, it is a tree of life. See, when you're not tapping into your imagination, which we're going to talk about next, which means I'm going to stir up my dreams, I'm going to think about my dreams, I'm going to imagine my dreams, we're going to get to that next level. When I'm not tapping it into, you have nothing outside of your reality. You get stuck in this mentality that this is just it. I don't see anything outside of what I'm currently experiencing. There is no outside the box for me. This is it because I don't have a dream. And I'm not using my imagination. Now listen to this. It also means in the Hebrew to bind firmly, which suggests that your dreams are what keeps you connected, anchored to your what? Your heart and your purpose. So your dreams are keeping you anchored. When you have these, have you guys ever had like this dream that just won't stop? And you try to stop having the dream, but you keep having this dream. It's anchoring you to what's in your heart. It's binding you firmly to the design of God in you. These are not to be dismissed. They are to be paid attention to. Your dreams should be a part of you, no matter how audacious they seem. The Bible says in Genesis 37 that Joseph had dreams that clearly were hints to his purpose. They were clearly hints to his purpose. That he would be the one who would provide for his family and ultimately preserve the entire Israelite nation. That was the purpose. That was the reason for Joseph's existence. I have a purpose for you, 
and I'm going to wrap your purpose up with flesh. Now, I would like you to remember that the minute he began communicating his dream, there was a conspiracy against him. And I would like to propose to you that the enemy hates your dreams and there is a conspiracy to steal them. He does not want you to dream. He does not want you to have a dream. He doesn't want you to think outside of your box. He wants you to stay stuck in your poverty in the mentality of this is just it. I'm 48 years old and I gave it a good run in the name of contentment in Christ. Come on, I'm talking to some people in this room, not just myself. The Bible says in Genesis 37, 18, Now while he was afar off, even before he came near to them, the brothers saw him and they conspired to kill him. Saying this, we shall see what becomes of his dreams. Come on, that's wicked. And while you're afar off, before you even know your dream, before you even recognize your dream, the enemy is afar off saying, well, we'll see what becomes of his dreams. I guarantee you, I know it because it's biblical. See, the enemy can't change his tricks. He's not creative. He has the same tricks over and over again. I like to tell people he doesn't have to change them because we fall for the same ones over and over and over again. We keep falling for the same ones. So the enemy is out to steal your God possibility. From the very beginning, here has been a conspiracy to steal your dreams. Look, the father placed a coat of many colors upon him, and the first thing they did was rip it off, and they threw him in a pit. Now, if that is not indicative, if that is not a picture of what he does for a lot of us, let's rip her and steal her of the anointing of God and put her in a pit. And then let's sell her to something that will cheat her of the fullness of her possibilities. But I would like to propose to you that no matter what the enemy did in Joseph's life, there was a plan, there was a purpose, there was an ultimate supernatural navigation that was more powerful than anything the enemy did. We got to get quit giving the enemy so much attention. We got to quit giving him so much credit because there is a navigation system that has been put into you before you were even flesh. It was put into, you know, that the Bible says that eternity is woven in the heart of every man. Eternity is woven in the heart of every man. That he has put into you the word that the law of God is written upon your what? I would like to propose to you your heart is not wicked. God would not write his law upon your heart. That eternity would not be implanted, impressed, imparted into the heart of every man. Come on, you got to know your word. Stop grabbing onto one little thing and taking the teaching that you've been given about that thing and saying, this is my truth. And your truth is my belief system, which is just what? BS. BS. (laughs) All right, so let's go on to your imagination. All right, imagination. The imagination is where all things are possible without any doubt. Now, we talked about hope is in your heart and then the dreams. So I'm talking about your hope. And then you have these dreams that that are your purpose. And then you have these dreams that point back to your purpose. And then you have these dreams. Now, your imagination is when I choose to think upon my dreams. Okay, so I want you to think with me about what it looks like to intentionally say, okay, and again, remember, I'm not just thinking about the dreams that you have while you're sleeping. I'm not dismissing those, but I'm also talking about the dreams that you have while you're awake. The dreams, the wishes that your heart makes. Okay, come on, Cinderella, come with me. And so a lot of times we don't think about that because it feels discouraging, it feels disappointing, it feels dumb. It's dumb. It's just a stupid dream. It feels impossible. It is impossible. 
Because if it were possible, it could be done in your own flesh. See, God hasn't called you for the possible. He's called you for the supernatural. So our, our dream, our imagination is what we envision. Okay, it's what we see in our minds. So the next step to having a dream in my heart is when I intentionally choose to stir up my dream. Now, I want you to think about how Jesus did this. Jesus was great at stirring up the imagination of his listeners. He would say this, the kingdom of heaven is like, a.k.a. imagine a world like this. See, there was something, there was a dream, there was a purpose stirring in the hearts of the people. We have a dream to be reconciled with God. We have a dream to be rescued. We have a dream of a savior. We have a dream of a place called heaven. That purpose was woven into them. Why? Because eternity is set in the heart of every man. And Jesus was like, let me use your imagination to stir up what's within you, to stir up the greater calling that's within you. It was as if he would reach out and he would grab a hold of the heart of the people and he would pull them through Narnia's door and say, look at this world. And he would begin to explain to them things that would otherwise be unexplainable because he was tapping into the mind's eye and beginning to cultivate their imagination. Their imagination. So the definition of imagination is the, the faculty or action of forming new ideas, images, or concepts of external objects that are not present to your current senses, meaning they don't really exist in the natural, but I am experiencing them somewhere here. Come on, if you guys aren't, you guys are all staring at me. You understand that's what's happening when you're praying and you're in the spirit and you're asking God to show you things, right? There's such a fine line. If you don't practice the imagination, you will not flow to the fullness in the prophetic. Because that's how you tap into the prophetic is by really stirring up the imagination, allowing God, I tell the Lord all the time, look, this, my imagination is a scroll and I'm gonna lay here and I'm gonna roll it out and I'm gonna wait for you to write. Show me what you want. Come on, God, because the Bible says that if you ask him, he will show you. If you seek him, he will be found, and he will show you great unimaginable things, things that you have not known. That's what it says in Jeremiah 33, 3. Things that, you, that are incomprehensible to your mind. The, the message says it's things that have been walled about, hedged in, kept away from you. You can't see this because if you see this, you might become empowered. But God, I want you to show me. God's like, boop, 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 boop. Back up, devil. I got something to show her. All right? When we imagine, we are using multiple parts of the brain. This is the geeky part. This is where I love where science and, and, and scripture collide, okay? Now, you have four lobes of your brain. How many of you knew that? How many can name them? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you have four lobes in your brain. You have your temporal lobe. You probably can because you're... She's like, I can, I can even tell you. And if you're wrong, I'm going to let you know. <laughs> Just tell me afterwards, okay? Uh, so you have your prefrontal lobe, which is here. You have your occipital lobe, which is in the back of your head. You have your temporal lobes, which are on your side. And then this little spot here is your uh, parietal lobe, okay? And they all break down, like right here is like your ACG, back here is your basal ganglia, are all different parts of your brain. But I want you to think about the four lobes. Now, in those four lobes, we have our executive control, our intentional thinking through your prefrontal lobe. You have your vision, your vision centers, which is in your occipital lobe back here in the back of your head. You also have your auditory and your memory where you're building memories in your temporal lobes here and your parietal lobe is your sensory. 
It's where you have your visions and your senses kind of come together, okay? So that's just a really quick overview of your brain. But here's what I want you to know. Science has shown that when you choose to imagine, all four lobes are engaged. It's one of the highest functioning ways you can fun your brain can function. Okay, so it is a good exercise for your brain, for brain health, for you to actually intentionally begin to imagine. Now, I would, this is more than just mind wandering because this, I'm navigating the mind with my executive control in partnership with the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, I'm seeing myself in the scene, rather I'm asking Holy Spirit to show me my part. Okay, so now I'm inviting the Holy Spirit into this, which is where we get our prayer. So when we're praying, we're actually activating the imagination. I would like to propose to you that God, when he said you should pray to me day and night, he said this is how you keep your brain healthy. You don't want dementia, tap into your imagination. Start praying more. Start stepping into the spirit. Let me show you things. I will exercise your brain. I'm aware of how I feel, what I'm touching. I'm tapping into all of my sensations. I'm hearing things and I'm remembering. Listen, I'm just talking to you about all the different parts of the lobes of the brain. Imagination, this is, this is what it said, imagination is a powerful brain, powerful brain booster because it makes you think in a way which is not standard for people. Imagination can help you find solutions that can be considered unexpected by your brain. Whoa! Meaning, I, using my brain, but imagination even goes outside of my brain's current capacity to solve, to be creative. Your imagination can actually create scenarios that solve problems in the most effective ways. Now, I got that straight from a science article, but I would like to propose to you that this is exactly what God does for us. That when we step into the spirit and we allow the Lord to begin to move and operate in our, whole, in, our, in our imagination, that he begins to give us scenarios that are outside of our own natural solutions. He gives us strategies, right? When Moses went up to the mountaintop, he came down with a blueprint. He got that blueprint in the presence of God. And a lot of us are looking for some blueprints in our life, and I would like to propose to you that if you would sit long enough and allow the Holy Spirit to activate your imagination, he will write one on your imagination. It is like a tablet for God to begin to write upon. We've got to recognize the beauty of the imagination. Did you know that the brain cannot differentiate well between real action and mental action? Between real action. This is why Gold Olympus, they will tell you that the number one thing they do to prepare is mentally visualizing themselves, sticking it, winning it, doing the thing. That the more than the physical component is, they mentally exercise. Because your brain has a hard time different, and we've all experienced this in a negative sense, where you could have swore this is how he said it. Because that's what you perceived, and that becomes your truth. And now you can't differentiate between what your brain perceived and what really happened. Well, I would like to tap into that to my favor, please, and thank you. I would like to tap into that and say, okay, I'm going to visualize myself standing on a stage. I'm going to visualize myself singing that song. I'm going to visualize myself writing that book. I'm going to visualize myself starting that business, whatever it is. And I'm going to choose to think upon it. I'm going to activate my imagination. Did you know that creativity is actually a biological drive? Meaning God created us 
designed us, it's in our likeness to be creative. God is the creator, and we are created in his likeness, which means creativity is a biological drive. But often we have shut down that imagination. Now, I'm going to tell you that I am a very imaginative person. I shared a little bit about this last night. And I'm going to be super, super raw and honor, uh, honest with you. My husband's in the room, so I feel totally confident in doing this. Uh, once upon a time in my childhood, I was exposed to a lot of pornography. And so that played in my imagination, even after I, I wasn't watching, I wasn't, it still was in my, in my mind, right? And I went to a revival of a church, and the pastor was up there, and he was like, the imagination is evil, it's the devil's playground, and you need to shut down the, and for me, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, he's, he's totally, he totally knows what's happening, he knows, blah, blah. and it doesn't, God knows what's happening in your imagination. I mean, it was just like the fear of hell coming at me. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I need to shut down my imagination. And I did. You guys are going to meet Gary Birkins, who's going to be coming here pretty soon. But it wasn't until probably about 12 years later when I met him that he said, you know, you're very prophetic. And I said, what? And he said, you see things, you hear things. And I'm like, no, 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 that's all evil. Like, that's all just in my imagination. He said, no, 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 no. God has given you an imagination for it to be good. And for 12 years, I shut off the gift of God, because somebody told me it was evil. Now, I would like to propose to you that if you surrender your, your mind, you surrender your imagination to the devil, it certainly can be evil. But he is not the creator of the imagination. He can't create crap. All he can do is twist what God has created and try to use it for his good. It's all he can do. The imagination is God's. It's not the enemy's. We surrender it to him, and we allow him to show us great unimaginable things. I want you to think about for a moment, in your mind as you're sitting there, I want you to think about a dial, and I want you to think about your intellectual dial right here, and I want you to think about turning it down and then turning up your imagination. So sometimes when we just think in that moment, I'm just going to turn down my reasoning because reasoning will get in the way of your imagination, right? Because we're immediately, God is saying, these are all the things I want to do. These are the what's I'm giving you. This is what I'm going to do. And what does our mind immediately do? We ask the question, how? How? Isn't that what, he, what happened with Mary? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to impress, I'm gonna, you're going to birth a child. And she said, how can this be? He said that in Numbers when uh, God said, I'm going to feed all of these people meat. And, and, and Moses was like, how, how? Even if you were to kill all the birds of the air and, and slaughter all the fish of the sea, there wouldn't be enough meat to feed all these people. See, it's our inclination that the minute when God shows us something outside of our reasoning, outside of our intellect, that we immediately start crushing it by asking how. You've got to give me the details, God. And God's like, no, 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 baby, we're just dreaming right now. Just shh, just shh. Just let it roll. Just go with it. You don't have to have all the details. That's your imagination. Let's go on to visions. Your visions can be an expression of your purpose. In other words, it should be directly connected to your heart. Now, how do we get to a vision? How do we get to that place? Because a vision is the faculty or the state of being able to see. Remember, I talked about our purposes in our heart. It's the I hope but when we, and then we dream and we imagine, so we shift from I hope to, and now I imagine, to now I know. Now I know, because now I have a vision. A vision requires action. A vision without an action is simply just a dream. 
It can even be a big imagination. Everybody in this room has dreams and imaginations, but very few have visions. Because the vision is that next step. It's saying, what is the next thing for me? I'm just talking to you guys here about how to cultivate your purpose. Like, am I doing these things on a regular basis? Am I intentionally taking time in a moment to dream and imagine with God and allow him to begin to show me visions, show me the next step? God is a vision caster. In, Gen- in Genesis chapter 12, he says, he casts a vision for Abraham, Abram, and he says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And then he said this, Now, Abram, lift your eyes and look to the place where you are. Look northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Listen to this. It says, for all the land which you can see, that I will give to you. Now, I would like to propose, so one person got it in the room. God would like to propose to you that he gave the authority of the magnitude of the vision to Abram. You tell me what you see. Look, this is what I'm going to, I speak your purpose. Here's your purpose. You're called to be the father of nations. But now I'm going to tap into your eye. Tell me how big you see. And whatever you see, that I will give to you. A lot of you are having a hard time reconciling that because you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean I have authority to decide how big my dream is? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. See, if you go back to creation, you recognize that God gave all authority to Adam and Eve and said, here's the earth, stand upon it, subdue it, have dominion, be fruitful, multiply. Then Adam and Eve gave that authority away to the devil. And God was like, this is not good. I got to send a purpose and restore authority back to man. Jesus came, Jesus took the authority. When he died, he gave the Holy Spirit that restored the authority to us. Come on, you got to know your Bible. You have the authority. God uses our visions to confirm our purpose. Remember with Jeremiah, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you to be a prophet. And then he goes on to say, well, let me give you a vision to prove to you. Tell me what you see. Now, pastor's going to be speaking, not this pastor, different pastor's going to be speaking on prophecy. But he's trying to teach Jeremiah how to be a prophet. He says, tell me what you see. He sees the most ridiculous thing. What do you see? I see a branch of an almond tree. That sounds ridiculous to me. Does that not sound ridiculous? Come on. How many of you people think like in John chapter 1, he says to Nathaniel, I saw you while you were under the fig tree. And Nathaniel's like, oh my God, surely you are the Messiah. And I'm like, what's with the fig tree? I don't get it. I'm missing something. Right? Because there was a thing between Jesus and, the, and uh, Nathaniel. We don't all get it, but what we learn from that is God knows a thing that nobody else knows in your heart. And he knows just the thing to tap on and go, this. I haven't shared that with anybody, but God knows it. God knows it. He's going to tap into that. And so he's tapping in, and he's like, tell me what you see. He says, I I see the branch of an almond tree. And the Lord says, well, you've seen well. You're ready to perform my word. That's it. You're ready. You are accredited for the kingdom. If I'm Jeremiah, I'm like, what? Right? I'm like, "You, you, you, what? But he's tapping into his vision to start activating, giving him his next step. Everybody say next step. Whatever your next step is, I want you to understand that this visualization technique is powerful. But then you have to shift from I hope to I imagine and I dream to I know to I will. 
Everybody say, I will. Because you can have, come on now, you can have a hope and a purpose. You can have a dream. You can imagine about it all day long. You can know your next step, but if you don't do it, it will never come to pass. See, God's not like that. He's not going to do for you what he's given you the authority to do. Is his word plus your action equals your promise slash your purpose? Come on, somebody needs to hear that. His word plus your action is what equals the promise slash your purpose. God's given you promises that are connected to your purpose. Sharing the promises he's given to you are different than the promises he's given to me. Now, we have some universal promises, but there are some things that God has promised you because they're connected to your purpose. But those promises and that purpose will not come to pass if you don't add to his word your action. How do I know this? The man, of the, the man that was blind, Jesus spit in his eyes and he said, go and wash the pool of Siloam. What had to happen for that promise to be activated? He had to go. He had to move. He had to add to the word and action. I was talking about Genesis chapter 12 where it says, show me all that you can see. In verse 17 and 18, it says, arise and walk the land, its length and its width. Then Abraham moved his tent and he went, not knowing where he was going. But the more he would walk, the bigger his vision got, the bigger his purpose got, the bigger his land was. See, some of us take one step, and God's like, okay, that's it? That's as big as you see? Well, yeah, that's as big as I see without getting failing. Well, that's, as, that's the only money I have. That's, <laughs> pastors always love that one. <laughs> that's all I got in the bank, God. I only have enough money in the bank to do one more step. That's not faith. That's living by budget. Don't say you live by faith when you live by your budget. Come on, let's be honest with ourselves. Don't say you live by faith when you live by reasoning. Don't say you live by faith when you live by feel. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and these people were talking about, like, let's be honest. Let's be honest. We all live based on our feelings. You can say you don't, but you do. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you make decisions based on how you're feeling in that moment. And I was like, like, everything in me was just dying. And I was like, there are thousands of people listening to you. And then I had to reconcile how irritated I was that I don't have that many followers and they have more than I do. And, you know, <laughs> just being honest with you. Who doesn't have to reconcile that stuff? Like, God, they're not even speaking truth. They're speaking like demonic lies that is so twisted. It's not true. We don't live by feel. We live by faith. Listen, Abraham got up and went not knowing where he's going. We've got to grasp the depths of our authority. He walked the land before it was his. Joshua put his foot in the river Jordan before it was parted. Nehemiah searched the land based on a dream, based on a vision. Elijah girded himself for rain when he only saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. Come on, the disciples fed the multitude with only two fish and five loaves. We read that passage so fast and don't grasp what God is saying. Hear me when I say this, my child. He ministered to a multitude. They ministered to a multitude with not enough food. That feels ridiculous to me. I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm the disciples, if I show up this weekend and Sonia and Liz have two donuts... And I know I got 20 people coming to this VIP. What am I going to say? We don't have enough food. We didn't got enough donuts. 
The disciples left their jobs and followed Jesus, not, not, not knowing where they were going, not knowing where it would lead. Peter walked on the water based on a hope in his heart. He didn't know if he could walk on water or not. The lepers walked towards the temple before they were healed. Can you imagine that? The lepers, come on, 12 of them. Jesus says, go present yourself to the temple as healed. If they get there and they have leprosy, guess what's due them? Stone. They're going to get stoned. Stoned. I didn't want to say stoned. I was trying to avoid saying they're going to get stoned because people always laugh at that. They're going to have a stoning. I've got to just come up with a different verb. So every step of the way, they're taking a step and they're looking at each other and they're like, have, have you been healed yet? No. How, how about you? Have you been healed? No. How about, how about you? What about now? Okay, okay, what about now? Should we keep going? I don't know. Should we stop? Should we not? Because the Bible says that as they went, they were healed. If I'm the leper, I'm waiting for my healing before I go. And God says, you, you waiting on me, but I'm waiting on you. That's the authority that God has given to us. See, the disciples started feeding when they had too little. And so some of you in here right now are thinking really, really small. You're not tapping into your imagination. You're not choosing to dream with God. You're not just writing down all those next steps and then saying, I will. Everybody stand up for me. Would you put your hand on your heart and I want you to say, I hope. I hope. I have a hope. I want you to say, I have a dream. I want you to put your hand on your heart and I want you to say, I imagine big things, God. Now I want you to put your hand on your head just like this and I want you to see and I see it. I see it, God. I see it, God. I see it, God. Now I want everybody as best as you can. I don't care if you need to start walking around the room. I don't care what you do. But I want you to add an action. I want you to begin to move. Come on. Prophetically, we're going to activate some dreams and some visions in this room. If you want to stand there, go ahead and stand there. You ain't going to get it. But if you want to activate it, start stepping out of your box and start moving around. Make some space for yourself. Come on. As big as you move, as more as you move, the wherever you walk to, just keep moving around. Come on. Move like you mean it. Move like you mean it. Come on. Oh, I'm, I'm moving with intention. I'm, mo I'm stepping with intention. I am moving around. I am stepping and moving with much intention, power, and authority. Somebody say, I have the authority. God, you've given me dominion. Come on, like you mean it. Do you believe it or not? I'm just, I'm just quoting scripture. I have dominion. I have dominion. All right, everybody say, I see it. I see it. I see it. I will do it. I will do it. Add to your word and action. Come on. Now, I want you to think of a declaration that is just for you. Declaration that's just for you. Out loud, out loud, I want you to start verbally declaring that. Just start verbally declaring it. Come on, loud, like you mean it. I declare. Come on, come on, come on. Some people are getting a breakthrough in this room right now. It doesn't matter. I don't care if I feel ridiculous. I don't care if I look, because God is doing a work on the inside. God is shifting some things. See, some of you have gotten up out of your seat, and you're starting to activate your dreams and your visions right now that are connected to your heart, connected to your purpose. This is not it for you. I declare in this room, God is not done with you. This is not it. God has more for you. Somebody needs to declare, I have, God, you have more for me. God, you have more for me. God, you have more for me. Yes, come on. 
Do we have the power and the authority to call in our season? Yes. yes. If Elijah had the authority to control the weather, you have the authority to control. Call it in. If Elijah can control the weather, you can call in your season. I'm tired of waiting, God. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. We're not spectating this weekend. We're not spectating this weekend. We are not spectating this weekend. We are activating. We are participating with the Holy Spirit. We are participating with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Yes, God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory, honor, and praise. What a glorious God you are. Yes. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Look, at if God's calling you to cut things off, then cut it off. Just say, I cut that off. I cut that off. Come on, I break that fear off of me. Come on, whatever God is, take the authority. I can minister to you all weekend long. But if you learn to minister to yourself, that's a game changer. Come on, learn to declare your truths. Yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right, how many of you feeling? You feel like that was a, there was something that broke. I did not admit, come on, let's give God glory right now. Give him the glory. Give him the glory. Give him the glory. Give him the glory. There it is. Yes. Yes, God. All right. Here we go. We thank you, Father. We worship you. We receive the big. We receive the big. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to click subscribe so you can catch each episode every month. I want you to walk in your fullness. For more information about other services and resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. You can also find me on YouTube by searching Lisa Schwartz LLC. I look forward to connecting with you. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you.